Our reading this morning is from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the Lord, before the God of heaven. And then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant it is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the, prayers, the prayer of your servants, who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Karen and Simeon. And uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to church. Uh, um, I don't know how much it costs to get air conditioning in here, but I'm, I'm feeling a, a, a gift day coming on. Um, uh, great. Um, this morning, we are continuing, as Ollie said, in our series on uh, prayers that God loves to hear. And some of these prayers are really different. Last week, we looked at how God just loves the prayer, help. He loves that prayer, deliver me. Uh, and this prayer, we are looking, this, this week, we're looking at the prayer of Nehemiah, which is really um, kind of give me success. Uh, it's a big prayer. And uh, so that's what we're going to be focusing on. I do encourage you to grab the passage open because we, there's quite a lot we're going to look at if you haven't. Um, uh, that's Nehemiah chapter one. But let me pray for us. Will you pray with me uh, before we dive in? Lord, we thank you for the encouragement of this series, uh, that you love to hear our prayers. And as we look at another great prayer in Scripture, we ask that we get through our heads and into our hearts, and you would speak to us and, and call us into better conversation with you. Help us to hear you this morning. Amen. Wonderful. Well, I wonder if you have ever had to... Um, ask for a raise, um, you know, not just being given one, but actually had to go to someone and say, I, I would like more money, please. Thank you very much. I think 
you're not paying me enough. Or maybe something similar, uh, it's kind of a, a big ask. It's kind of awkward, isn't it? You know, I mean, how, how do you start that conversation? Do you kind of book a meeting in and say, this is what I want to talk about? Or do you kind of like try and tack it on to the end of an annual review? Do you kind of just sidle up over coffee? I don't know. And then, and it, I don't know, maybe you've done this, but you kind of, then you have to ask and kind of that moment of kind of awkwardness when someone realizes they're ask, you're asking something of them. And I don't know. I don't know if you had this experience. A big ask. Now imagine that you're going to go to your boss, if you, if you have one. Imagine you're going to go to your boss and you're going to say, I wonder, please could I have a little bit of a career break? I'd love if I could just have six months to a year off. That would be great. Is that all right? Oh, and by the way, um, it'd be wonderful if it could be paid leave. That would be brilliant. Oh, and uh, is there any chance I could claim expenses the whole time? And actually, while I'm here, I'm actually planning to go and volunteer to work for my church, and they've got a massive building project on. Is there any chance we could expense the whole project to the company? I know you don't know anything about my church, and I know that you're not a Christian, but any chance? How would you start that conversation with your boss? This is exactly, this is exactly what Nehemiah is about to ask the king. And in fact, he does go. This is what he is praying about in chapter one as we're looking at this prayer. Nehemiah, we're told, is the cupbearer to the king. He's, he's a, a Jew who's been taken into exile or his family before him was taken into exile. And uh, he, he, he is, wants to go, it's on his heart to go to the king, king of Persia, and say, please, could I not only leave my post, could I travel one and a half thousand miles to Jerusalem and, and, and oversee the rebuilding of Jerusalem? Oh, and by the way, could that all be paid for at the treasury's expense? That is a big ask. And that is a big prayer. That is an outrageous prayer. That's an audacious prayer. That's a ridiculous prayer. It's the kind of prayer when you hear in a prayer meeting, you feel slightly awkward. Wow, that's ridiculous. But you know what's absolutely crazy? God answers this prayer. And Nehemiah gets everything that he's asked for. And that's the beginning of the book of Nehemiah, the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Today we are looking at the topic of asking big prayers of God, asking ridiculous prayers of God. And, and, and kind of where we're going with this is that God loves big prayers for his glory. God loves it when we ask big prayers for his glory. But um, how do we learn to pray these kinds of prayers? How do we get from where most of us are to where Nehemiah is? Where, where does his confidence come from in praying a prayer like this? I don't think it happens overnight. I think it is a life, a, a life of prayer that has got him to this place. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at three things, just pick out three aspects of Nehemiah's prayer and stuff we find in this first chapter that might help us to pray a bit more like Nehemiah prays here. So three things in our passage. The first thing is, if you want to learn to pray big prayers and see big prayers answered, the first thing is this, you have to start with surrender. You have to start with surrender. Now, you may not have expected me to say that. 
He might have expected me to say, if you want to pray big prayers, then what you need is to puff yourself up. And in fact, I've heard many sermons like this, which go kind of like, you know, big answers to prayer, big prayers come from lots of faith, lots of faith comes from working yourself up, telling yourself, you know, needs to be the right atmosphere, you know, lift yourself up, puff yourself up. But actually, what we see in this passage is the right place to, to start is to lay yourself down. So often when we ask for things, well, maybe this is not true of you, but certainly true of me. So often when we, we ask for things, we are asking for ourselves. When was the last time you prayed the prayer, give me success, Lord? Was it maybe not um, as you were speeding towards the lights, hoping they wouldn't change, and you're late for that thing, and you're like, Lord, please give me success? Or um, maybe it's just before a job interview, or desperately trying to put a bid on on a house in Cambridge, which is a stupid thing to do in the first place. And you're like, Lord, please give me success. And even when it comes to spiritual things, so often when we pray them, there's so much of ourselves involved in them. Lord, please would you help me as I prepare this sermon? Because otherwise I'll look stupid. You know, and I want, you know, what are these things? You know, so much of ourself involved in these prayers. But powerful prayers, big prayers, seeing them answered begins with surrendering ourselves before God and his agenda. A group of us have been uh, going through the Lord's Prayer, studying the Lord's Prayer as part of Pete Gregg's uh, course. And in fact, today is the last, uh, the last session. And a number of members of the group have remarked at different times over the week how different it feels to pray the Lord to ask things of the Lord. Please would you give me how different it is to pray that after you've prayed the rest of the Lord's Prayer. That if you have begun with worship, hallowed be your name. And if you have moved on to praying, your kingdom come. Lord, what are the things on your heart? What are you? And then you've moved on to your will be done, trying to listen, trying to see what God is doing. And then you get to Give me what today my daily bread. Lord, I'm already following you. Would you give me what I need for this journey? It's completely different. And here in Nehemiah, uh, in Nehemiah we see a man who has spent time praying the first half of the Lord's Prayer. He has done business with those things. Your kingdom come, your will be down. And he is a surrendered man. So let's look at that. Here are a few signs I see in this passage of this. First of all, I see that he is a man steeped in Scripture. This prayer just overflows with quotes from Scripture. So it begins, Lord, the God of heaven, <laughs> great and awesome God. He knows who God is, the maker of all things. He's read Genesis. <laughs> then it goes on who keeps his covenant. He, he, he understands the relationship between God and his people. He's read Exodus. <laughs> he's, he reminds God of his instructions that he will forgive if his people return. He's read Deuteronomy. <laughs> this is a man who is, he, he knows the word of God, and he is praying back to the Lord his own words. He's steeped in Scripture. Secondly, did you notice, did you notice how little me there is in this prayer. Or maybe another way to put it is how much you and your there is in this prayer. Once you've spotted it, it's just absolutely everywhere. Lord, it's you who keep your covenant. 
Lord, let your ear be attentive, your eyes be open. It gets really obvious in verse 10. They are your servants, your people, whom you redeemed from your great strength with your mighty hand. Lord, let your eye be attentive to the prayer of your servants. Is your, your, your. This prayer is not about Nehemiah. He has something else on his mind. And then finally, did you notice what Nehemiah calls himself several times in this prayer? He does it at the beginning. He does it in that bit at the end. He says, give your servant success. This is a prayer that comes from a surrendered man. He is living a life seeped in Scripture, and he has laid himself down before what God wants to see. I want to encourage us. I think you really can ask anything of God. I think you can come to him and you can ask for blessing, you can ask for health, you can ask for success in the big things and the small. But very often when we come to him and ask him for those things, what we're really doing is just coming to him as a good father who loves us and we're asking of his kind generosity. And the wonderful thing is he loves to answer prayers like that. But the truth is he also doesn't have any obligation to <laughs> Our prayers and the power of our prayers seriously changes when we are, if you like, on the Lord's business. When we are, when we are praying and asking for things that are, are for him and his kingdom, that are to see the things of, that he loves and are on his heart, that he has told us about. Uh, we are asking for the thing, we put bread for the journey as we follow him. These are the prayers that God loves to answer, and this is what Nehemiah's prayer is all about. Very little to do with him, and it's a lot to do with the Lord. So the first step I think we learn here to more powerful prayer, praying like Nehemiah, is to make sure our prayers are surrendered prayers. The second challenge I've taken from this prayer is this. Let God get to your heart. If we want to pray powerfully, we have to let God get to our heart. You know, so often um, when we do pray for things, even if they are kind of things we know God wants us to pray for, it's a bit like water off a duck's back. It's kind of, I pray about things and then I move on. <laughs> You'll be glad to know as your vicar, there are some things that really go deeper than that. But most, most of the time it is, I'm praying, okay, what country am I praying for today? What, you know, what part of the church am I praying for today? Which member of my family are praying today? Maybe we come to a, uh, a prayer meeting and, okay, all right, what are we praying for up on the screens? Great, let's pray. How often do we pray deeply? Pray deeply. Because that is not the kind of prayer that Nehemiah prays here. It's not like, oh, okay, what's on the list today? Oh, Jerusalem. Oh, Lord, please bless us. The city which you love Amen. <laughs> this is a deep cry from the heart. This is the cry of Nehemiah's heart. He hears the news about Jerusalem. And although, you know, it doesn't actually personally affect him. I mean, he, he has got a Swiss job with the civil service, uh, you know, 1,500 miles away. He, he probably doesn't go to Jerusalem very often, if ever, Yes, he has a brother there, but it's really not going to impact him day to day. And yet when he hears this news about the state of Jerusalem, he is wrecked. He is absolutely wrecked. 
He's a man who, who surrendered to God. And so when he hears this news, it goes straight to the heart. We can see the signs of this here again. First of all, we're told in verse 4 that when he had this news, he wept. He wept and he mourned for many days. Later, we're, we're, we're told that, that he was so, so upset about this that his boss, the king, noticed. And he doesn't just say, oh, you're having a bad day. He says, wow, I've noticed the change in your demeanor. This is nothing other than sadness of heart. This is a heavy heart. Another thing I noticed in this prayer is that this prayer that he's praying here is not just a flash in the pan. You know, this is not the prayer journal for just one day. We are told, if you see in verse 6, he, he says, let your ear be attentive to the prayer that your servant is praying before you day and night. Day and night, again and again, he's praying this prayer. And how long is he praying this prayer for? <laughs> well, if you look in verse 1, it says, in the month of Kislev, the 25th year. And then if you skip down to the beginning of chapter 2, Verse 1, it says, this is when he actually gets to talk to the king, in the month of Nisan in the 20th year. Now, I'll forgive you if you've not, you know, uh, mocked up on your, uh, on your Jewish months, but that is five months. Nehemiah has been praying this prayer day and night for five months. And this question is this the, the central question that's been haunting me as I've been, maybe a better way of saying it, is challenging me as I've been reading this. And I invite it to disturb you is this. When was the last time you or I wept over something of God's kingdom that didn't have much to do with us? And when was the last time we prayed for five or six months, day and night, about much at all? Let, let alone the state of the church, or the many people who don't know the Lord, or I don't know, so many things that are on God's heart. When was the last time we wept? That is what we see here. Nehemiah's heart is broken. This we often pile on into the rest of Nehemiah's story, an extraordinary story of the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Signs were wonders, miracles, amazing leadership, but it began with crying. You see, God just doesn't, doesn't just want surrendered servants, people who go, yeah, I'll do what I'm told. He also wants involved intercessors. He wants friends who share his heart. This is just writ large throughout Scripture. I've been reading through the Old Testament prophets recently. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet because he spoke God's word and then he wept about it. Ezekiel was told not just to speak God's word, but himself to live a life that was a sign of God's heart to his people. Hosea was told to marry an unfaithful wife, or a wife he knew would be unfaithful, so that he'd begin to understand some of God's heart at the unfaithfulness of his people. I can't even imagine that. But God is looking for people who are friends. He says to his disciples in John's gospel, I no longer just call you servants, but I call you friends. Why? Because a, a servant doesn't really know his master's business. But I've let you in to my heart. And part of being on the Lord's business is being a friend with God, is to say, Lord, break my heart with what breaks yours. Share it with me. 
Weeping is part of this, joining him in his heart. So here's another challenge today. We want to see big things done for the Lord. We want to pray big prayers. Would you be brave enough to say to the Lord, what's on your heart? Share it with mine. And I will give you permission to break my heart. And I am willing to go through the discomfort and unpleasantness of months of praying and seeking years, if need be, to see that. Because Nehemiah's prayer is powerful, but it's one from the heart. And then thirdly and finally, what do we see here? Third thing to notice is we have to be bold in asking. We have to be audacious in asking. We've already seen and talked about at the beginning that this is a massive prayer. If you just kind of, as, as we did, put it into perspective of what it would mean for you or me to do this. This is a, this is a ridiculous prayer. But actually, it's not the only in Scripture. How about, could you part that sea? <laughs> uh, you know, could you get us out of Egypt? There's so many prayers like this. And very often, I think, we, we, we are embarrassed to pray big prayers because it feels like asking too much of God. It feels like kind of, well, I've asked something else of you, so I can't ask more. But God loves it when we have ambition for his kingdom. The key is it's for him and his kingdom and not for us. Jesus says in in John chapter 15, verse 12 onwards, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I am doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to my Father now. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in your name, in my name, and I will do it. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. I honestly find this one of the most difficult verses in the Bible. I find it so challenging, because the gap between my prayers and what I say answered and and what Jesus seems to be saying here seems to be so big. But is this a duff promise? Is this one of the very, you know, all the others are fine, but this one, oh no, God doesn't. I don't think so, but it's one to grapple with. It's seriously challenging. And maybe just maybe one of, one of the things that might help us as we approach this, this, this big invitation by Jesus is, is to just change the emphasis on this verse a little bit. I think I used to read it as Jesus saying, look, you know, it's a bit like, um, I've got a tab open at the bar. You know, just mention my name and you can have anything you like. You know, here's my name. You know, here you go. Just hand the, the token in. You can just have whatever you like. That's fine. I used to read it like, just ask for anything. It's fine. And, and just ask it in my name. It'll be okay. I wonder whether less, the emphasis is less on the anything and, 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 and more on the magnitude. It's like Jesus saying, if, if, if you, you, you are praying a surrendered prayer, you are praying because you know this is on my heart. This is my will. If you, if you, if you are sharing my heart and, it, and you're living in me, if this prayer is in my name, you can ask for anything. There is nothing too big. That makes a bit more sense, does it? With the first part of the verse, <laughs> you know, believe in me, those who believe in me will do the works. They will do even greater works. Nothing is too big to ask when we are surrendered and we share God's heart. Friends, uh, 
So many stories of God's great works begin very small. Um, I'm going to grab some books. You know, uh, two, two great books, one new, one old. Um, my, one of my favorite books is the autobiography of George Muller, 1800s. Uh, George Muller saw, you know, he looked after thousands of orphans, saw amazing answers to prayer, tens of thousands of people become Christians. Amazing story. Much more recent, very local. Uh, Hope into actions, the charity providing homes for, um, for, for, uh, for those without homes all across uh, Norfolk and Suffolk. Amazing story of what God's been doing and you can read about that. But so often when we read these stories, we read the end, we miss the beginning. The beginning often starts with a few people. Before there was any success, there's just a few people who were surrendered to the Lord, first of all. Who said, yes. Who said, I'm, I'm in. Show me your will. I'll search the scriptures. I'll listen for your voice. I, I, what's you, your prayer? And number two, when God answered, they let it get to their heart. When they found it in the scriptures, when they felt the nudge of the spirit, when God spoke to them, they said, okay, I'm going to let this beyond surface level. I'm going to let this into my heart. And then they, then they prayed. So often there's a lot of prayer. And we see the tip of the iceberg, the 10% that floats above, the oh, wow, the kind of success, and underneath is the 90% of that story. So I want to encourage us this morning. Be ambitious for God's kingdom. What is it that God has put on your heart? If there's nothing you feel, I don't feel I have anything, why don't you, that's a dangerous prayer. Say to the Lord, give me ambition for your kingdom. Ask him his will, open your heart and see what he might not do. And if it's something from the past, something that has God put on your, your heart many years ago and it feels to have dwindled. Maybe that's a prayer to return to. Because I think this is a prayer that God loves to hear. Give me success for your glory. I want to pray for us quickly and then we're going to hand over to Ollie. Lord Jesus, we confess that we're uncomfortable with this kind of prayer for so many reasons just seems too big. We don't share Nehemiah's heart. We've prayed many other prayers we haven't seen answered or don't think we've seen answered. We just don't care enough. But Lord, we do long to see more of you at work. And we, we, we come before you, we, we kind of pray like Nehemiah says, or we confess, we confess all of these things, but come. Come and teach us to pray. Come, come and lead us in your will. And I want to pray that today people would leave, many of us here would leave with a new burden on our hearts that's yours and of you, that we'd see big prayers answered. Teach us as a church to have ambition that's not of us but of you. We want to see you move, Lord Jesus, and rebuild your church. Amen.